Welcome to season two of the Queer Soul Spotlight, a kind corner of the internet where you can leave your troubles at the door and bring your truest self to the table. I'm Jenny, creative photographer and collector of stories. Each week, I sit down with a queer guest and they share their story to celebrate that there are infinite ways to be queer. Whether you're queer yourself, ready to learn, or simply need a couple of friends for the next hour or so, I'm so grateful you're here. Hi everyone, welcome back. We have a really, really cool guest today. We have Kristen Baker. She is, wow, an Emmy nominee, kind of. She is the, what are you, like the founder of Telefilms? Yep, This is really cool. Founder of Telefilms. This is the first LGBTQ plus network to receive an Emmy nomination, and they have received a solid handful. It's really exciting. We're going to talk a lot about representation in the media, how important queer storytelling is, and how important it is to have representation, not just in front of the camera, but also behind it with people creating the representation itself. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is so fun. Um, I just want to jump right in. For people who don't know who you are, um, go ahead and introduce yourself, name, pronouns, and then talk a little bit about how you identify at this point in your life. Sure. So Kristen Baker, pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am a very proud lesbian. Hell yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And you're really the first, uh, it's it's weird to say uh, queer elder, but really when you get above 30, we're considered queer elders because, oh, geez. which is, it's it's a cringy term, but the a fact is that yeah. the life expectancy is so low, especially for like trans people and non-binary people oh, wow. that like really like anyone over the age of 30 in the queer community is almost considered an elder. So I'm oh, very goodness. excited to get sort of your perspective on things. Um, before we get as into an the, elder, as an elder, yeah, you're super <laughs> old. You literally like Ugh. for people that no one can see Kristen, no one can see Kristen, <laughs> but me, Kristen is very young. <laughs> Kristen is very young, very, very young. Exactly. So young. I'm, I guess though I am an elder. That is true. In terms of, I mean, that, and that's crazy when you think about it. Like, I it think is. I read somewhere that the Gosh. life expectancy for trans people right now is like 32, 35. Ugh. It's bananas. Um, so before we jump into the work that you're currently doing, tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in a time before the 2000s <laughs> as a queer person, as a queer woman, what yeah. was your childhood like? Is there any moments looking back that you were like, ha, gay? Um, what was that process like for you growing up in a society that wasn't like, everyone's a little bit gay, we're all having a good time. What was that like right. for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think if you look back at any of my, like, childhood photos or, like, family portraits, like, I don't think there was any doubt that I was, like, a little gaby back then. <laughs> um, my sister, who's four years younger than me, was, like, all about the frills and nail painting and, you know, doing her hair. And so she was very much the, you know, the doll that my mom loved to dress up. And I was sort of like, if you put me in a dress, I will scream. Um, So at a young age, I very begrudgingly would wear dresses um, per, you know, usually long fights with my mom. So I was, I was such a tomboy when I was, when I was younger. Um, So it kind of surprised me that it surprised my mom uh, when I came out, like just, just, 
you know, given like legit the family photos that you can go look up on our walls at this present moment in my, in my family's home. Totally. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think I was lucky in some ways, and this is going to sound like really weird, at least when I was like younger and growing up, I was sort of like blissfully ignorant that there like was an alternative, which probably can sound like really weird, but I think, um, it's not weird. Like if it's not presented to you as an option, you don't know. Yeah. Like it wasn't like there were no real struggles when I was a kid. I do remember telling my mom at like a very young age, like I remember marrying a man didn't seem to be kind of like what my jam was, but I didn't know why. And so I just remember going like, I don't know that I'm going to have kids or I don't know that I want kids. And I, I think part of that was because I didn't necessarily vibe with this sort of like heteronormative view that, 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 you know, I was presented with, um, right. when I was a kid. And that's, and that's the only way to have kids, right? You yeah. marry a man and you get right. pregnant right. and you have kids. Well, like if like, that's, well, I don't, I d- yeah. If, if that's all you see. Man, <laughs> gross. So, so that means I don't want kids, you know yeah. what I mean? So that I think was part of it. And then, you know, it really wasn't, anything that I thought about or, or again, like was even like, I knew obviously about like gay people when I was in high school, I have a very distinct memory. I was, I'm a bit, I was a big star Trek fan. So I have like a very distinct memory of some like star Trek episodes that had like, you know, two women kissing and, you know, so it wasn't like, it was a, like a super foreign. And I really oddly enough, just like loved Xena warrior princess just was like, I don't know why this like speaks to me. Um, so neat. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Why is this? I have all these feelings. Yeah. As someone who is like part of the TikTok generation, we are finding like all of these through lines for people our age who are now lesbians that like we all really thought she go from Compossible was neat. We all thought like there's these like core characters that now it's like become this meme of like, if you were obsessed with this character as a kid, you're gay now. It means, yeah, totally diagnose you gay yeah Um, Yeah, that's so crazy yeah and that is really proof that if you're not seeing things normalized in the world around you or in media it never even crosses your mind as an option and then your options are therefore to either like just suck it up and conform or feel super lonely and out of place. I mean, I I rediscovered my middle school diary a couple of years ago, and Aww. there's some wild stuff in there. I straight up, and I don't know, like, again, it didn't register to me that, like, yeah. the thoughts I were having was just me being queer. Like, I straight up wrote, I was like, I'm never going to marry a man because there's too many penis obligations, a.k.a. sex. And I was like, that's a direct quote, by the way. Like, I just assumed I could never get married because I really didn't want to marry a guy. And, like, that's it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, And, for uh, you know, for for me, I was – my family is – and was like very Catholic when I was growing up. So Mm -hmm. it was like, do not have sex with boys. And it was like, I love Jesus. Not a problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was like, you're going to get pregnant and die. Like you're just not easy rule for me to follow. Loved it. Done. You know, the abstinence is not a problem, man. Like you're you're still abstaining from sex with men. Congratulations, really. Like I'm really proud of you. Very happy uh, with me. (laughs) Thanks straight to heaven. Just so we all know. Um, So proud of you. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. So, you know, as, as cliche as it is, you know, sort of I discovered women in college in the theater program at my university. Oh boy, I'm a musical theater major. That's so real. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so it was, a, it was the first time I dated an actress and, and pr- probably should have been the, the last because I do have a very hard you no know, dating actresses policy as a Me too. Director. As an actress, I do. Are you? Oh, good. Oh, smart. Actors are crazy. I I dated a dude actor, like, because I was trying very hard to be straight. It was one of the worst decisions of my life. But, like, yeah, for me, like, my fiance, she did shows in, like, middle and high school. That's fine. Like, she knows the rep. He can appreciate. But, like, oh, my God. Like, really, you're signing up for the best liars out there. It's, yes. So, I've, I've. I have, I, after that, I did date one other actress. And then after that, I kind of had a no, well, I may, I, I will say I've, I've made many mistakes on the way, Jenny, but I, I now have a very hard, no actress policy. Um, I think I broke some rules there for a little while, but yeah. So college was, you know, was it, and you know, I'm a very decisive person. Um, as any of my friends listening to this podcast will attest to, um, <laughs> and agree with. And so I, I feel like once I kind of made the decision that I was gay, it was like, okay, well, we're going to do this, you know? And I never really looked back. Like, you know, obviously there was some angsty, angsty moments there, um, in my, in my college years, of course. uh, and then into my early, you know, early 20s um making some really really poor decisions um you know I don't I don't know if you, but all you have, have ever to dis- you do well I don't know if you've ever discussed this on the on the podcast before but I really I have a philosophy that no matter what age that you come out even if you come out and discover you're a lesbian in your 50s or 60s every single person reverts to decision making in their 15 15 and 16 year old <laughs> self I bet that's true because it's you like know? you like, if, if you don't get your gay puberty when you have puberty, you have to have it at some point. So if you come out at any age, you have to go through the like, well, this is the first girl to give me attention. So like, I'm going to not have a single standard. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to leave work early and not, or call in sick or not show up, or I want to spend more time with you. So I just, yeah, I was trying to explain to someone, I was like, you know, when, when you come out, if you don't like, my, again, I use my sister a lot because she's such a great foil. Cause she's like so straight and we're super close and we have, we were fed the same things. We went through the same schools and school system, but like, you know, I obviously am a lesbian and she's a very heteronormative straight, like two girls and a boy picket fence, two dogs, you know, yeah. you know, that kind oh, of, thing. of course they're she's, doodles. She's wonderful. And she's amazing. And I love, if you're listening to this, I love you, Caroline. And it's her birthday today. So happy birthday oh when, we're, when we're recording this. Yeah. Happy birthday but, when we're um, recording this. Yeah. So she, um, she went through all of her poor decision-making when her frontal cortex in high school was also developing at the same time. So it was like her, as you mentioned, like her love adolescence and her brain development was all happening around the same time. And I think there's something to that in the decisions that we make when we're coming out or falling in love with someone from the opposite sex for the first time, that is, is very different in, in, and lesbians or people of my generation. And so I, I went through this delayed puberty and adolescence of love and was making some like really dumb life choices, which I, and I didn't know why in my, you know, early, early to mid twenties, I'm probably still making really bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's, that's okay. Also, but, like, you know. your brain's not done cooking until 25 anyway. Like, yeah. it's yeah. You, this is the time when you're figuring out, you know, much like you do in your first five years of life, like you're almost doing experiments constantly being like, well, what happens if I do this? What happens if I drink a ton? What happens if I stay up all night? Like you're doing these experiments to see what the reactions are and what you can handle. And I think that that's, that's so true. Like regardless of the age that like, this is this new thing that is so it lives in your body so much like this romantic attraction, this sexual attraction for the first time. You're like, Oh my God, like this is how it works. And it's going to be messy at first. That's just what happens. Totally messy. Absolutely. Makes for good diary entries. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Indeed. So yeah. So that's kind of like, and I, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, I was lucky to have a, a good support network. I, you know, I ne- my parents struggled a little bit, you know, when I first came out and they're wonderful now um, and are incredibly, incredibly supportive, but it, it, it took a little bit. And I still have also a very conservative, like extended family who I have no doubt love me. And I continue to keep a relationship with them, even though like some of them probably think I'm going to hell and some of them have voted against my interests, but I choose, and this is sort of like, you know, one of my forms of, um, of, of political expression to choose to love people who don't agree with, with my political views, who don't agree with my, um, I don't want to say it's like the life that I, I live. Your I lifestyle, the gay Not, lifestyle. I, I don't yeah. like that phrase, but nah. you know, who just, but I know they love me as a person. And if I was ever in trouble and I called them, they would be there for me and without a moment's notice and have actually supported my girlfriends. And I like have welcomed us into their home, like all of my ex, number of my exes. Yeah. But you know, so I, I very much, um, believe that you can change people's hearts and minds by just sort of showing up and being your authentic self. Sure. And so that's how I've chosen to, um, you know, kind of do, do my own, um, sort of like political marching or, you know, I mean, I've, I've also done actual political marching, actually marching, actually voting, but showing up when you know, people, again, like voted against you, I think it's, it's, um, you know, that my activism, that was what I couldn't think of. That's part of my activism is really just showing up and being there for my family and being present, even though I, I know that they don't always, um, you know, agree or, or would, you know, say that, you know, this is not the kind of thing that they would choose for me. Sure. Um, I mean, it's the power of a lived example where like, you know, what you're taught, especially about people who you're maybe not around all the time or you don't know that much about or you don't identify with, like that's where the fear and the misunderstanding stems from. And if you have a lived example of someone to look at and be like, you know, oh, I was taught that, you know, gay people are bad and going to hell. It's like, here you are. Yeah. You seem perfectly nice and like, not the devil incarnate like you seem chill like it's it's the power of like going from propaganda to just like a real person who's just a person and doing her best like we're all just human beings so how has that translated to like 
all the work that you do with telefilms yeah. and your own stuff, like what, I mean, clearly you're incredibly passionate about representation in media yeah. and both in front and behind the camera. Um, mm. Can you tell me a little bit about how it's grown from, you know, this thing that you started all the way up to like, it's now this giant thing. We're getting Emmy noms left and right. Like what has that journey been like for you? How has the response been throughout the yeah. journey? Yeah. You know, I think, um, so I do, I do want to, you know, I, I started Tello, you know, 12 or 13 years or 13, maybe probably 13 years ago now. Um, back when like Netflix was just starting and Hulu was just starting. And so like, it's a platform that's been around for a really long time. And I think, you know, in the early days we were a scrappy little web, you know, website company and, and, and doing short form content. And, um, you know, I, I think my writing has always been informed by, um, you know, a, a, usually a supportive family. I think that is, is how, um, a lot of, especially if you look at some of my holiday rom-coms, specifically Mary and Gay most recently, um, there was a very, very supportive family in both that one and Christmas at the ranch. Um, the other two didn't actually really have parental unit type people in them. Um, but I think as I've, I've kind of, uh, gotten a little bit more, I don't want to, I don't know if the word is mature, but as I've kind of <laughs> done more and more projects, yeah. um, I definitely have been wanting to show the LGBTQ characters with supportive parents because yeah. I have said, I, I think I said this in an interview, I said, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I need to show, at least in my work, I don't think it's always critical to show the life that we have, but the life that we could have and the life that some people do have. Um, and so in Christmas at the Ranch, the um, grandmother character, Mima, played by Lindsay Wagner, who's amazing, was just incredibly supportive and loving to both of her grandkids and loved them equally. And, and then the, the two moms, and, and actually the dad, and Mary and Gay were conspiring to get their kids together and, like, just had this beautiful love of both of their, of their children. And so yeah. I, think, um, I think that was a really important, that's become a really important part of my storytelling is to show parents who are supportive and loving and love-filled um, that's because so think, lacking in queer yeah. film TV. We're like, it's, we got to bury our gaze. We got to, um, you know, we have to be sad and angsty and very bad traumatic things are happening. And it's like, yes, that is part of our culture and our community, yeah. but we want little Hallmark films too. Like exactly. we want to, and we deserve that. And we deserve to see exactly. ourselves in that light where it's, I'm literally doing a photo shoot tomorrow for um, a trans mask person who we're doing a King Arthur themed photo shoot because mm-hmm. they never saw themselves as a princess. And then as they came out to themselves and, you know, their family, they also never see themselves as the prince. And mm-hmm. it's like, we, there should be, I mean, I want Elsa to be gay so bad. Like, oh, you know, amen. we deserve that. We deserve to like all these cheesy, positive like 
that that is also a reality in real life. Why can't yeah. we see that in media? Yeah. And, and I think it, yeah, I think it could also, I remember, um, I was living in North Carolina and I had a good relationship with my parents at the time, but I remember like, it probably wasn't it, actually, I remember now it wasn't the, the most, the strongest and supportive as it is now. Um, and I watched the movie kissing Jessica Stein, which is just a wonderful, I, it's one of my favorite movies. I think it's just so fun and fantastic. And there is, um, uh, one of the Jewish moms, is sitting on the porch with Jessica and you can tell like she didn't invite this girl that she was seeing who she's kind of in love with to the family Seder and the mom who you know because moms like are just so they know in tune. Um, her mom knows and she's sitting on the porch and she has this huge monologue about like Jessica making a choice in her life that was you know not in her best interest because she was so worried about what everyone would think and then she sits there. It's just this beautiful moment on the front porch. And the mom, you can tell she's like kind of struggling to get it out. But she says to Jessica, I think she's a lovely girl. And like, you should invite her out to Seder. And I remember I was watching it and I just lost it. I mean, I just was sobbing just because openly weeping. that was what I had wanted my mom to say to me about the girl that I was dating at the time. And, yeah. and you know, instead, and again, I, I love my mom. We're very close. Instead, she was very, like, um, you know, kind of upset that I was d still dating a woman. She thought maybe it was a phrase, and she just was, like, very. And I just remember I was, like, I just sort of held on to that moment thinking, like, one day that's what my mom's going to say to me. She's going to say, like, I think she's a very lovely girl. And... And you can have That's, your dress like a moment. That's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. And that, so I want to give that to other people who don't have moms who are as supportive or trying to like sneakily get them together with like the person they think they should be with. It's like, you know, we get lost in stories. And so I want to show those things that we want to get lost in because, you know, we live in like, we can live in a really harsh reality and movies are escapism. And at this point in my life and my career, I want to create escapism for our community. And I want yeah. them to smile and I want them to cheer and get a little teary eyed at the end and laugh. And so that's, that's kind of how it's informed. And that, and again, that's how I, that's how my mom is. And my dad is in my life right now. So it's something that you can also get to, you yeah. know, if you didn't start that way with your parents, you know, through, you know, just being yourself, being your authentic self and being open and honest and just continuing to like show love and be loved and show up. And, you know, I think you can, you can, you can get I there. An example of you can, how you can get there. That's beautiful. And like, yeah. again, like it's escapism, but it's not fantastical. Like these are real things that yeah. you can get and you deserve to experience yes. that level of like, yes, I want this person involved. Like, they're very cool. You're amazing. They're amazing. Let's hang out. Like, that is, for some people, it really does feel like a far-off dream. And, like, that's why this is so important is to show people that the, like, if, especially if you're at the beginning of your, like, coming out journey, it's so easy to get into a headspace of, like, a healthy, happy, loving life is not a possibility for me. I'm just setting myself up to, like, 
suffer through my life and just like struggle permanently. And the key here is hope. And we're, I think that you're filling a really important gap here of like hope in queer media. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's beautiful. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, is there any project that you've worked on that you are like, this is my baby. I am especially proud of this. Something that really not only do you feel like it impacted the people consuming the media, but also maybe impacted you. Um, you know, they're all your very precious, lovely babies yeah. um, in the whole, in the whole, whole, whole wide world. Um, but you know, I think, I think season of love, which was the first, um, LGBTQ holiday rom-com that had the leads as the central part of the story. I mean, and it was also, it was, you know, three different, you know, queer female lead couples, um, in it. And I think that one will always be really special because, um, we had wonderful diverse representation. Um, I, uh, I, I had so many people tell me how much it meant to them that, you know, they finally had a holiday rom-com that, that were, they could see themselves in it. So I think that one, because it's the first, you know, it will always be sort of special, um, in my heart. Um, but honestly, Marion Gay, the one that came out this past December, um, it's on divaboxoffice.tv. I'm, I am so, so incredibly proud of that movie. Um, and I think it's because of kind of what we just talked about where it had this really, really lovely and fun and funny, you know, storyline of these two meddling moms who are working to get their, their queer kids together. And there was like no stress, no question, nothing. It was just pure love from these moms and good intentions. And, you know, our our lead character, um, is a, is a non-binary character and a non-binary actor. We love to see it. Yes. Non-binary people playing non-binary people. Yep, and and there every everyone uses the they them pronouns, and it's never Ugh. discussed, it's never questioned, it's not no one trips up on it, like it's just. Can I live inside of that movie? I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's like yeah. and, just put and, me right in. Exactly. So it was yeah. So, someone wrote in a in a um, review that was like, if there's a town of evergreen, I don't know, but if there ever was, like, it's a place that I would want to live. And that's, that's really, again, like what I wanted to create, you know, I wanted to create this like kind of queer utopia where everyone, the straight couple is welcome. The lesbian couple is welcome. The gay couple, the, you know, we have someone who is, um, um, deaf and hard of hearing who signs ASL and, you know, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful utopian place um, that, and so I'm, I'm also very, very proud of that movie for that reason. Totally. And especially with like having the deaf part of hearing actor, like all of, you know, there's, you can't just do drag queens and butch lesbians. I feel like your work especially seeks to go beyond that into really the intersection of various identities that come with queer people. Like even just the idea of having a non-binary character like that is new for some reason and like um like I I don't know if you've seen uh our flag means death well yeah like, yeah the the fact that they immediately switched to they them for Jim and it wasn't discussed it wasn't anything and I was just sitting there and I was like I'm speechless that this just happened in this absolutely fantastical pirate show like yeah like it was nothing and yeah. 
it's so crazy that that's new, but I love that you're, you know, and I, I focus on this in my work as well, that like, let's look at the intersection of queerness and race of queerness and disability of queerness and religion. Like there's so much that is missing in the representation canon that currently exists because people are often, even if they're dabbling in, we're going to tell some queer stories, you have to make sure that it's palatable. And so you Mm -hmm. feel it's very whitewashed, very able-bodied and getting, I think it's so important. And I'm sure you would agree that, that getting within the minorities of minorities, like these people have no representation at all that they can look at and go, I can be empowered. I can fall in love. I can have an awesome life. Like, I think that's, that's very, very cool. Yeah. Thank you. So if you could, you know, looking back on your life and your experiences so far and the work that you've done, if you could say something to someone out there who is just at the beginning of their journey, sort of figuring out what they're, what's going on, um, or maybe your younger self, what is one piece of advice that you would just leave there that knowing what you know now? Gosh, like, and this is like a filmmaker or like anything. Anything. (laughs) That really makes it even harder. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do both. Let's do one as a filmmaker and one as like, just as a human being, what would you say? Um, Gosh, you know, I don't know. I think as a, as a uh, as a filmmaker, I would say because and I, and I say this like all the time, like just just keep creating. However, that whatever that looks like, however that works, if it's you know, if you if it's writing, if it's volunteering on a film set, if the thing that you have to do when you wake up every day is create, just like figure out how to do that, how to find the people who are going to be there and want to create with you, you know, find your group, find that, find your film family. Um, and just every day do something small to, to, to work towards that goal of, of expression and in, in whatever way that is filmmaking, writing, directing, you know, um, just, yeah, you know, keep, keep going. Um, and God is a human being. Jeez. <laughs> You know, just very easy, simple questions. I know, I know. As as someone who's an elder, I should probably have a quicker. uh, (laughs) Yeah, come on, elevator pitch. Let's go. Response to this, shouldn't I? Um, You know, I would say there's something that I think has been. If you can do this, you know, I don't know what age I'm talking to someone, but I would say try and write down, try and think about like gratitude. If you can be in a space of gratitude, um, I think that will make life a lot easier if you have that lens. Um, so I would just say find, you know, I did an exercise one time at um, when I, I, I worked a nine to five for a while and I had this group, I, I watched this podcast and it talked about um, writing down three things that you're grateful for each day. And they, and they had to be specific. It couldn't be just like, I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful it's a nice day. Like it had to be like, I'm grateful it's a nice day because I got outside to walk and the sun helps me be happier, you know, whatever that yeah. is. And so I created this group I called the gratitude gang. I got three other people and I said, let's just email. Someone starts it, but we email everyone th- three things that we're grateful for. You know, I think 
I did it for like 30 days or something like that. And each day, so one person, and it was different each day, started the three things that you were grateful for. And as soon That's as you That's great to have read, that accountability. Yeah. So it was accountability. And you were reading the three things that someone else was grateful for. So by the end of the day, you had read 13 things of gratitude. And whether it's yours or someone else's, it gave you a grateful mindset. And so, yeah, I called it the gratitude gang. And it really was um, kind of amazing to see how if you came in in a bad mood or you were in the middle of the day in a bad mood, it just like shifted a little bit to a gratitude mindset. And so I would say try and do, you know, something to be in a gratitude mindset during the day, whether it's have a gratitude gang, write down in a journal three things that you're grateful for each day at a dinner table with your family, have the family go around and say three things that they're grateful for each day. And, um, and I think, I think that can help make small shifts in, in life. Totally. And I like the idea of being specific too. It makes it harder to write off and just be like, I don't know. I'm happy. I have a house. Life's yeah. good. Yeah. Like whatever. I ate lunch today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. You, you have to be very specific about like whatever it was. So. I think that also helps train your brain to notice little things more as well. Exactly. And then even yeah. after the 30 days, if you've stopped like formally doing it, you're still mm-hmm. in that headspace of like, wow. Yeah. The sun feels really nice on my skin. That's a nice yep. time. Yep. I love that. Exactly. That's beautiful. Um, is there anything you want to share again before we step into our rapid fire section? Yeah, I just want to to let let folks know that um, I have um, have the 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 privilege of actually taking over and relaunching another um, queer lesbian streaming platform called divaboxoffice.tv. So um, while I am a very proud founder of Tello. Um, that is often running all on its own, um, and still around and still, you know, obviously like has great projects on it, but I'm really excited that, um, I have moved over. It was a London based company and we've taken it worldwide. We've relaunched it. We now have apps. We're still working on the Apple smartphone and Apple TV, but right now you can find us on Roku, um, Google play, Amazon, fire stick, um, and, um, yeah, so check us out. Marion Gay, my last holiday rom-com is out, uh, for buyer rent and, um, the mo- uh, I'm coming out with Scare B&B, um, which is a limited, <laughs> limited series. And the first two episodes of that are going to drop at the end of January. Ooh. Um, yeah. And so that's really cool. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, no, end of February, excuse me, end of February, whoops, gotcha. February 28th. So you can, you can pre-order it now. But um, Scare B&B will be launched then, and I'm really proud of that series. Um, so awesome. please check out divaboxoffice.tv. Awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes. And by the time oh, this comes you. out, like, it will be almost time. That's very exciting. Beautiful. Yeah. Check so it, check cool. It. All right. Let's hop into rapid fire. Um, let's go. What is your favorite podcast at the moment, aside from this one, which is obviously your number one? Absolutely. Obviously my number one, um, favorite podcast is, um, it's a really, it's, it's a, uh, gosh, I love the podcast pop culture happy hour, Mm -hmm. um, which is an NPR, uh, podcast that does, uh, movie reviews. Um, and I am a big, like 
nerd as far as like listening to the industry stuff. And there's yeah. a podcast called The Town that's all about if you like geek out on like streaming and movies coming out and just like if you want to dig into the industry, um, a podcast called The Town with the host Matt Bellamy. Um, I just get my fit. I love talking about streaming, streaming platforms, what's going on, what's the, you know, and it's, it's, uh, and what movies are coming out. It's, um, it's a great industry podcast for those people interested in knowing more about the business. Yeah. I know we have a lot of, uh, listeners in LA doing in on the film scene. So there you go. check it out, you guys. You um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. What is your go-to comfort food right now? Um, uh, is it ch- coffee? Yeah. I love coffee. I will. How yeah. do you take your coffee? Black. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I will brew. Yeah. I'll brew a pot of coffee in the afternoon. I brew one every morning. Like I just, I love it. Yeah. It's my comfort go-to comfort. I know it's a drink, but it's my comfort. Comfort it's, food drink thing I mean, that like, you here's have. My, here's there my it is. Right here. yeah. Beautiful. Are you like a, a mug addict? I feel like if people have one mug, they have 30. Do you have a million I have a lot mugs? Of mugs. <laughs> I have, I have quite a few mugs. Yes, they're so fun, and then you like see you know. one that's slightly different. You're like, I need that one too. Amazing. Yes, I need them all. Yeah, every mug. Um, what's your favorite thing about yourself right now? This can be like an invisible thing or something physical. But if you think of something physical, you have to say it because I'm trying to dismantle vanity. Oh, um, it's not. I think physical. I would say, um. Something that I'm really proud of, I have a really robust meditation practice. Ooh. And I'm actually like really, really proud of, of, yeah, my meditation practice. How did you get started? Like, did you do like an app or something or did you just like start? You know, I, so I've kind of gone in and out of it, but like I started a long, 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 long time ago when I, when I had a nine to five and I would, before I got into my car and drove, I would set my timer, I think for like seven minutes and I would meditate for seven minutes in the garage before I got into the car. And then, and then it kind of like, I moved and it went away. And then I read a book. There's this guy who works for Google, who was like teaching mindfulness at Google. And he said, if you can just take your hands off of your laptop for two minutes, that's it, two minutes and close your eyes and just like not work or think about something. That's a great way to start a meditation practice. And that's literally how I started. Wow. I just I like, got, it feels so insurmountable to be like, oh, these people do like this crazy amount of meditation. I could never yeah. do that. Just yeah. two minutes. Two minutes and just like close your eyes, count to 60. If you count your breaths to 60, that's usually about two minutes because we count slower than, than a second ticks by. Sure. And so now I'm, I mean, it depends, but like I have a whole like little setup in my room and a whole little practice. I read, like I have a book of Rumi's poems yeah. and I read like a poem or two and ones that I really love. I circle so that like, in like probably a year, I will be able to say to someone like I have read every single Rumi poem that he's ever written, which wow. I'm, which I'm kind of stoked about. So I'm like about halfway through that. And then I have another book that I read and then I have like some crystals that I meditate with. I'm yeah, I'm really nice. proud of my meditation practice. Yeah, you should be. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, and where can people find you on social media? If people want to follow you and all your amazing projects. Yes. Uh, so my name, Kristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. So it's spelled kind of uniquely, Kristen Tello, mm-hmm. um, Instagram and Twitter. 
And then um, the best thing to do is probably follow divaboxoffice.tv on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Um, we are, I'm not on TikTok yet with myself or Diva Box Office, um, only because I, like, I, again, I feel like obviously an elder when I say this, but I am a little <laughs> nervous about, like, the Chinese government watching things. And I don't know that I need to be worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also just like another thing that I need to be on. I also think divaboxoffice.tv is also on Tumblr. So you can Ooh. also find us on Tumblr. Um, yeah, but we haven't gotten on the TikTok yet. We'll work on that. I can help you yeah. out there. Can, can you? Yeah, Jenny, you have to like ease me into the TikTok. No, I got cause... you. I got you. You found okay. your, your, I'm a millennial Gen Z cusper. I, I got you. All right. Cool, Let's cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. This really was such a joy to talk to you. Everyone, follow absolutely everything that Kristen is doing. <laughs> She's making some seriously cool shit. Thank you kind. so much for taking the time. And we will be back next week with another fantastic episode. We're wrapping up season two soon. Yay! Congratulations. Thank you. Say bye to everybody. Bye, bye. everybody. Bye.